0: podcast. I'm your host, Al Del Deegan.
1: And I am your co-host, Ria Haley. On this episode, we talk about the intricacies of the human mind, the various masks that we wear and why we wear them, and what life is like when we are ready to shed those masks.
0: exciting episode because we have our very first special guest. We have with us today Anita Kozlowski, who is a master trainer in NLP and an Ericksonian hypnosis specialist. Anita, thank you so much for joining us.
1: It's my pleasure to be here. Now, I don't know about you guys, but I personally love Anita and I fell in love with her the moment I met her because this woman is remarkable. She's... uh, very unique and she understands how the human mind works. And because she understands how it works, she also understands um, when something goes wrong. And by the way, if you hear some odd noises in the background, it's because we have our wonderful puppy, Nalu, and Anita's puppy, uh, who's now going on to 14 years um, and whose name is Scooby. So anyways, back to the show. I have taken several of Anita's NLP classes, uh, which is uh, Neuro Linguistic Programming courses. And today we want to talk about uh, something that, that I learned in one of these classes, which is the various masks that we wear um, in the various roles that we play. And I think you're going to find this absolutely fascinating. It certainly shed a light uh, onto my own personality, and it was uh, both entertaining and and a little bit frightening at the same time. (laughs) So, Anita, why don't you go ahead and tell us a little bit more about um, the various masks that we wear. Mm -hmm. Well, mask by itself
2: is a device, and the purpose of a mask is to create persona, portray something, and also to cover something, which is the face. So when we translate this idea into human behaviors, We have to go down into the concept of the real person, the I am, which is alive inside each and every person. That I am arrives on this planet equipped with only few things. Expectations of nothing but the best, awareness of its potential, full capacity to love and receive, a unique set of talents that can be expressed under optimal circumstances. And in the ideal scenario, this persona would develop consciously from its potential and, and express itself fully in life, but quite often it doesn't happen. Let's say a child receives upbringing where they are rejected by parents or mistreated or perhaps silenced. What they learn is that their voice should not be expressed. Silence is preferred and it's dangerous. But most importantly, that they do not matter because if their voice is not being heard or worthwhile well, being listened to, Therefore, they do not count, because that's the only way they communicate. So they developed a protective device, which is a mask, to cover the, protect the original version of themselves, which is now carefully hidden. And the mask's purpose is to protect the original, authentic person, protect itself, and negotiate through life with other people. The statement of I am, deep inside, is the only truth, which is fundamental truth that we live with. It's not a conscious knowledge, but it's something we carry. Something that we will defend with everything we've got, because the moment I am not, I cease to live. So the mask develops a secondary, is a secondary I am. Its purpose is also to protect itself, but most importantly, to protect the one which is hidden. So let's talk about an example of, an, of a situation where there is marriage, husband, wife, children, He's an alcoholic who is abusive, who beats the heck out of her. She walks on walks on tiptoes around him. She knows by the sound of his footsteps outside the door what mood he is in, and she tells kids to leave the room or be quiet because she already knows that hell will break loose. He comes in with verbally aggressive and uh, and bullying, and she says, "Oh no, 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 just be quiet. It's okay." She became a placator. He is the bully. She is the placator. Deep inside, he has forgotten the original person that he was when he was born. He took on this persona of a bully to show his strengths, his muscles, and to bully his himself through the world, controlling others. She is his perfect counter-match, counter who deep inside feels nothing about herself, like she's not worth much, but developed a persona of a placator who is placating who is going to take a lot of pain, absorb it, and make peace at all costs, always losing. So as long as he believes that about himself, as long as she believes that about herself, they will be involved in a song and dance of perpetual abuse and rejection, occasionally having honeymoon period, to remind themselves that it's possible to be in a different state and continue descending into the abyss. So the bully and the placator are masks. The authentic person is the person who was born, came to this world. Another mask would be someone who is a perpetual victim. Another one would be someone who controls others. Another person is someone who blames at all costs and deflects any responsibility from themselves because as long as they are blaming, they are safely hidden behind the scenes. The attention is on something else. Another mask is someone who is rational, cool, and collected. We call them the computer, someone who doesn't access any feelings, but speaks rationally, but there is no human component, no emotion involved. That person is emotionally detached, safety measure, to protect themselves. So there are masks on a deep level, like those ones, which are the archetypes, and they are masks on top of those masks. An example would be someone who takes a massive loan, is massively in debt, but lives in a spectacular house, drives a Ferrari, dresses in spectacular clothing, but is not sure if he can pay the bills next month, because this month he has to show that he is wealthy and successful. His mask, wealthy and successful person, because inside they don't feel good enough. Another mask, a mother who has a 50-year-old son at home, whom she doesn't want to lose. As long as that son remains and she cooks and cleans for him, she has a role to play. I am a mother. The moment this boy leaves, 50-year-old boy, she loses identity because she became the mother and forgot that she was more than that. So those masks are really a testimonial to humans' greatness and potential because they are protective devices allowing people to navigate through life, not necessarily happily, but successfully. It's also a testimonial to what is possible when they come off. And when those masks come off, it's quite traumatic for people who lose them because it's almost like they lost their ego part of themselves. And people feel traumatized by losing them because they haven't embraced yet that they can exist without a mask. So this transition period is interesting because it's a time of the greatest growth, but it's also an opportunity for people to relapse even deeper into dysfunction. So the way to work with those people is to recognize the fact those masks exist, that they do serve a useful function, And that there will be a moment of trauma when they come down, beyond which there exists this amazing potential for a happy and incredibly satisfying life.
0: That's absolutely fascinating. I've got a whole bunch of questions. Mm. (laughs) The first one is, um, with the masks, are they often or always the opposite of the person's true self, or are they sometimes just slightly different, or how does that work?
2: Well, if it's a mask, it will obviously be false. Mm -hmm. The fundamental true self of every person is infinitely unique, creative, full of potential to love, to receive, to express, expecting nothing but the best. So masks are just the cover, protective devices. Most of the time, they are quite opposite to what the original person is. Sometimes they are an exaggeration of the natural propensity of the person, Because let's say someone is talented artistically. They are not necessarily the Picasso or the Rembrandt, but they have convinced themselves or were convinced by someone in their surrounding that they have the potential of being the greatest painter that ever lived. Suddenly they adopt that persona and believe it to be true, even though it doesn't reflect reality. So sometimes those masks are just compensation for some perceived deficiencies, but they never represent the authentic self of an individual. And addressing the authentic self is sometimes the most scary task because masks were developed in the first place to avoid confronting the self which was accepted as deficient in the first place. Somewhere deep inside there is a statement, I am not good enough and I do not want to go there because it hurts.
1: Yeah, and, and having taken Anita's class, I realized that one of the masks that I wore was the mask of the blamer, and mm. it makes perfect sense now that I understand um, the, the details of this mask. It was I was safely hidden. I was constantly um, distracting myself and other people from focusing on me because it wasn't safe for me to, for me to be me growing up, and so it was easier for me to wear the mask of the blamer. And having gone through the class and mm. having gone through that uh, tumultuous, vulnerable period. Um, you know, which was which was scary you know, I can I can vouch and say that the other side is so much better like I, I, now I'm at peace in my body, I'm at peace mm. with my life, even though things do not always go uh, the way that I want them to, I'm just calmer and I'm more uh, in touch with myself, I'm, I'm just more of myself That's wonderful
2: yeah, I mean, you, you also look about ten years younger.
1: Yes, that's a, that's a huge added bonus. <laughs>
0: Anita, you said um, when you were talking about the mask, you said that when the mask comes off, it really leaves people thrown and lost and such. What makes the mask come off? What, like, how, what mm. sorts of situations would <coughs> would that happen? Can people wear a mask for their entire lives?
2: Some people wear their mask entire life. I be- I personally believe that as there comes a brief moment just before death when they do have a full scope of reality and perhaps confront the deception that they lived with. But of course, it's not proven. It's something I sense. But uh, what needs to happen for masks to come off, typically it is precipitating events where the carrying the masks no longer, no longer serves them. An example would be a CEO who lived his whole life Behind the mask of a supremely successful impermeable to challenge man suddenly economy collapses he loses his house his multimillion dollar business or perhaps gets sick and suddenly realizes that all those other things were temporary or just fleeting perhaps a blessing but not the fact as to who he was usually it's traumatic events sort of a marriage that breaks up after 25 years suddenly he' is left alone or she's left alone and has to confront the reality something like that
0: okay so, and and i imagine people who become more maybe through life become more open-minded and start to become a little more spiritual <laughs> and stuff and they start to learn ways that they can heal themselves and be mm. be a better person sometimes they they end up looking to resolve those issues directly like they actually work on it like you would um, with a health issue of some kind
2: Oh, definitely. I mean, <clears throat> the first, the first signal is that's, that a person feels unhappy. Something is missing. Something is not working. So they will typically try to address external circumstances, such as, oh my gosh, I have all this money and all these things and I'm not happy. I, I don't know what I want in life. Or I have everything I need and yet my marriage is failing. Oh, I'm onto my fifth relationship and it's, it's collapsing. I don't understand. Why do I always choose such a person? Or, there is recurring patterns in, in relationships that keep on repeating themselves. People will come to fix those things, and of course those things are only a tip of the iceberg, and they represent something much greater. Typically, supporting structure of those things is a mask that person has carried. So through different processes that we do, the work that we do, we can help people disassemble those masks safely and take a safe look at themselves and recognize that perhaps there is more to be in love with than they originally believed.
1: Yeah. And that's
2: the nature of what we do.
1: You know, and that's, and that's what I loved about mm-hmm. um, your course, Anita, is because, you know, having having had a very difficult upbringing and gone through a lot of challenges, I had tried can, what you know, conventional therapy, uh, talk therapy. And it felt like I was just going in circles. You know, I didn't have any lasting results. Like I'd feel better because I got things off my chest, but nothing in my life would change. And no matter how hard I worked at it, no matter how many sessions I had, it felt like I was stuck on a hamster wheel Mm -hmm. where, you know, I'd gone to your class and had the pleasure of having you work directly on me in front of the class. And just through um, simple hypnosis, my, my mind was rewired and whatever needed to be shed was, and I was able to, uh, start my, my journey like a new person.
0: Yeah. I think that one of the things that stood out for me, Anita, when I took your, um, practitioner uh, NLP practitioner Mm -hmm. class, one of the very first things you started talking about in your class was about how, the current industry has, you know, these therapists who, um, you know, listen to your problems week after week after week. And, and there's, they're, they're trying to, you know, use what they learned in school and whatever to help people get through things that they, they've dealt with. But I think that, um, understanding this concept of masks, if, if people could be enlightened to why they act the way they do, like to, to acknowledge the fact that maybe because they were physically abused when they were a child, that they've now put on this mask and wore this mask to, to make them into a bully or, or to, you know, uh, be aggressive and, and mean to people. It, it's, it's, if they could realize that, that they're hiding their true feelings of being, you know, inadequate and, and abused when they were young, that's, that's sort of like opening a door to a future of, of, of being able to, to resolve and heal all those past traumatic issues
1: yes without without having to relive them I mm-hmm. think that's the part that I loved the most is that uh, because you know you were able to hypnotize me um, you know very easily what needed to happen happened in my mind and I didn't have to relive the the traumatic moments.
2: Because there is no need to relieve traumatic moments. The current situation and the way you are in it is a, is a direct cookie-cutter replica, I would call it structurally, of the original event. We keep on repeating the same pattern, so the current circumstances will be direct reflection of the original time it happened. Therefore, we, by changing things now, we indirectly are changing things then, and the whole structure collapses Going back to original time doesn't serve any purpose, really. It's other than refreshing the memory of something unpleasant. And in my opinion, something happening once is more than once too many times. (laughs) (laughs) That's
0: a great way to put it, definitely. Um, Anita, can you tell us a little bit about both neurolinguistic programming and Ericksonian hypnosis and how you've been able to kind of bring them together?
2: Okay, well, NLP as a model is a hypnotic model. It's a it's it was born out of few things. The mother framework was is Ericksonian hypnosis, the brilliant work of Milton Erickson. It also evolved from positive psychology and transformational linguistics and brief therapy models. It it came together as a model, but the framework underlying the principle the philosophy the structure is the ericksonian hypnosis so in my view unless you understand the mazer framework the model of nlp which arose from it is simply cannot be used effectively because the it's deep as it is wide in my opinion it can those two things cannot be separated When you look at true NLP processes, some of the interventions that seem to be that work so fast, they are still based on pure principles of Ericksonian hypnosis. So to learn NLP properly needs to be learned in the framework of understanding the NLP, the the Ericksonian framework. Otherwise, it's a set of techniques that are, are promised to fix all problems in the same way in every human being. But the fact of the matter is that there is no two humans who are the same, there is no cookie-cutter technique that will work with every person identically. First, you have to understand the unique system of a person that's in front of you and work with them individually applying the principles which are available to you. But techniques by themselves are useless. Unfortunately, a lot of NLP out there is a false promise of, of quick-fix techniques, and therefore it doesn't work. Uh, it's There is a lot more than meets the eye. It's a deep sophisticated elegant process and one which you, when you understand you can take with you till the end of your life but there is no shortcuts i would say there is only uh, strategic interventions but there is no shortcuts to anything and that's 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 the true version of what this really is
0: one of the things that i learned from your class well from your classes because i took a few um was the fact that you can't just say, okay, well, what's your problem? I want to quit smoking. Okay, well, here's what you have to do. And then you do some specific technique that you have in your back pocket that helps anyone who wants to quit smoking. It doesn't really work that way. You have to have a conversation, like a deep conversation with the person and understand what the root is for the smoking, like why they're smoking, because the, the they're smoking to satisfy some kind of a need or or to deal with some sort of a internal conflict or something like that where where smoking helps them in some way and so until you can deal with that internal conflict or that in, that underlying problem, no matter what you do, they're not gonna it's not gonna affect their smoking.
2: Well, correct. I mean, they, and they are smoking is a behavior which is ritualistic, and it, 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 is a surf, it represents something deeper. It happens for a reason. It has a history, dura, duration from the first time it happened successfully. It's It happened in a context. It happened within the framework of particular emotional state a person was in. It, it happened in a context to which a person applied some meaning. Some people, there will be two people smoking, each having different underlying principle. One person will smoke because... It's cool to smoke, their friends smoke, their family smoked. everybody smoked. Therefore, being socially connected means equally smoking. For someone else, smoking may mean, cigarette relax me and give me a relief from stress. Someone else may link cigarettes with coffee taste or some kind of after-dinner event. For some people, it may be in a situation that reminds them of someone smoking, or it could be a multiplicity of things present at the same time. So in order to help successfully that person, we need to understand the underlying principle behind the smoking and apply these interventions. For example, if a person believes that they would like to stop smoking, but they cannot because they cannot stop themselves, there is a belief which is flawed that they cannot. We have to prove to them that, in fact, they are capable Once they accept the fact that they are capable, and this is within their choice, then our job to break other patterns is much easier. If it has to do with social anxiety, then how can we install confidence in that person in such a way that they do not need a cigarette to boost their confidence? So there is so many variables. Therefore, this original conversation is so fundamental so that we really know what we are dealing with, not what they tell us initially.
1: But they it sounds like they have to be willing to to uh want to stop smoking. Is that correct? Like NLP you can't uh use NLP on somebody to that does that does not want to stop smoking or that does not want change. Is that correct? Well you can. It would be called manipulation. You see, this is a
2: loaded question with respect to smoking because there could be a person may want to stop smoking but they may not believe that they're capable. Or they may want to stop but they think that the pain leading to stopping is gonna be insurmountable, therefore they do not want to go through the pain. Some people may want to stop, but they believe that they, they, they have no power over themselves, they have no control, therefore they are unable to say no. So we have to figure out exactly what is the barrier between them not smoking and now. It could be something as simple as believing that as long as my father is alive and he smokes, I'm not allowed to stop. There could be something like that. So uh, there is a big gap between smoking and not wanting to stop smoking. Because wanting to stop and believing I can stop are two different things. So we have to understand what really, what is the belief system behind not stopping. That's that makes sense. fascinating.
0: Yeah, I want to go back to the masks a bit for for a minute. One of the things that I think is really cool is yes you can take an NLP practitioner course and you could learn all about NLP and Ericksonian hypnosis and how to heal people and how to help people with their problems. But there's, there's a really interesting thing that I took away from it in that you can actually find better ways of communicating and working with people because now all of a sudden you understand some of the underlying things that are happening. And NLP in general gives you a skill set that allows you to um, learn better ways of communicating with mm-hmm. people. But that concept of the mask is really, really fascinating to me because when you meet someone, maybe they're the CEO of a corporation or something, and they're like really, you know, aggressive and overly confident and and sometimes even mean and when you pay attention to that because you know they're wearing a mask you can suddenly see underneath the mask and you start looking at their behaviors when they're not paying attention when they're not trying to be the boss or whatever and you start realizing that they're in some cases the most insecure person you've ever seen in your life mm-hmm. and you and you learn that how, how you can deal with that person as a totally insecure person is going to be totally different than if you would have dealt with them as a, an overly confident and aggressive
1: person. Right, right. And then you start connecting on a deeper level because uh, they feel that you get them. And in a way you do. You mm-hmm. understand what it is that they need and you can um, deliver that.
0: And in some cases, they find that overly uncomfortable and get scared. And you end up being in a situation where that person doesn't want to be around you anymore.
1: Possibly. I personally haven't experienced it. I've I've experienced that a lot of people that I interact with, um, I seem to connect with on a deeper level. They they seem more relaxed around me uh, because I'm watching. I'm just aware of their mannerisms and their um, speech patterns. So... I'm uh, I'm trying to... Actually, I do end up putting myself in their shoes. It just happens naturally now and easily. And because of that, I understand where they're coming from so I can better um, communicate with them and, and let them know that I'm willing and capable, if that's the case, of meeting their needs.
0: How about you, Anita? Like, you've been doing this for a long, long, long time. Do you find now that you can pretty much get along with anyone? Or do you realize who people are and, and just not want to have anything to do with some people?
2: Uh, I would say both. Um, there are some people who are deliberately obstinate and no matter what you do, they will be negative. So with, this, with respect to those people, what I've learned is to have my boundaries have a very strong sense of who I am, realizing that I am not their behavior, choices, or beliefs. And I look at them as a specimen of someone who has not found themselves, hence carrying a mask. And I have a choice to leave, walk away. But otherwise, most of the time I find it very easy to connect with virtually anyone because the skills we have are so profound that allow us to communicate and develop rapport with virtually anyone. Yeah. Yeah. And
0: you you teach in your classes that you can build rapport with people in, in a matter of moments, right?
2: Yeah, and
0: they they, you you first meet someone and you shake their hand, and almost instantly they feel like they've known you forever. That's a that's a skill, isn't it?
2: It is. It becomes an unconscious skill. So in other words, I it becomes so automatic that it just happens.
0: Mm-hmm. That's very cool.
1: And Anita, how did you get into NLP? Like, what was your journey that led you to NLP?
2: Ah, uh, my journey. Well, it, it was a long one. I've always been. Interested in how the mind works. I studied at university, neuro, you know, neuropsychology and all those interesting things. I never heard of NLP until I attended, a long time ago, a particular seminar by a fellow named Robert Allen, who was a real estate investment guru. And I noticed that he did something at a break where people literally run to and spend hundreds of thousands of dollars buying his DVDs, cassettes, whatever he was selling. And I realized that he did something which I didn't understand. So I asked him, and reluctantly he told me, oh, NLP, and mentioned Richard Bandler. So at that time, I thought it was just a persuasion technique. So I went to the training, and I realized the magnificence of what it was, and decided I'm going to learn it. I never knew at that time that NLP really grew from, it was a therapeutic model. It It became a clinical application modality, with, with which people could elicit tremendous change in, in people where psychotherapy failed. So that aspect of it became really interesting for me as I come from that background. So th- this was the very beginning of my of my journey, which continues
1: uh, to this day. And it's been an exciting journey, that's for sure. That's incredible.
0: And you're, uh, you can tell you're still, after all these years, you're still very passionate about what mm-hmm. you're doing. And you're still learning too, aren't you?
2: Oh, constantly. I don't know who it was of ancient people. It's Socrates, I think, who says, "The more I know, the less I know." So because there is so much more opening all the time, so much more potential, I'm continually engaged in in curious discovery, and I'm also educating, learning, you know, testing, experimenting. I'm entertained. The moment I would stop being entertained by it, I wouldn't be doing it. But I don't see it will ever change because the human mind is unlimited, really.
0: And they say the best way to learn is to teach. And as you teach, especially um, each of the classes that you do, like, because you're like, for example, your NLP practitioner class is like eight days, eight intensive days long. Yeah. Um, you, you do that over and over again, sometimes a couple times a year, don't you? And so that, that, level of understanding must grow every time because you have a different set of students that ask a different set of questions and make you think of things in a totally different way.
2: Definitely. Because it's really I am only a tour guide and the people who create the program is the participants. I have some objectives for the program for each day, but how we arrive at the destination is determined by participants. And people never fail to excite me, you know, and surprise me because there is so many variants inside the box of human mind so none of these programs is the same the ultimate outcome of what people walk out from the program with is always achieved but that's but the method through which we get there is totally different so this is where learning happens
0: can you tell us about um a time either when you were uh learning or when you were teaching that something really Profound or unusual happened
2: Oh my gosh, so many different things. Um, one thing that comes to mind, okay, is that fellow. He was an um CEO of a large company from Hong Kong, raised in an upper class, very conservative family, and kind of person that would hardly show any expression and had difficulty expressing himself in front of people, which was problematic. With his employees. So he came to increase his ease of communication. Little did we know that on day six he comes in, flushed, literally runs in the room with a pile of paper, and says that he cannot believe it, but he was compelled to write all this poetry which just came out of him, which he read, and it was spectacular. And then he became very fluent, almost actor, the remaining two days, and now I know that he became uh, stand-up comedy became one of his uh, hobbies. Mm-hmm. From the most, you know, reserved person, we've had people who had spontaneous um, healings happen. People, one one uh, individual, woke up in the middle of the night and I then wrote a piano piece, which he dedicated to me, which was quite amazing. Mm-hmm. There was people who had spontaneous. They spontaneously remember the language which they've forgotten from their childhood, things like that.
0: Wow, that's spectacular. Mm. Having having attended some of your classes, I've seen some pretty amazing things happen. I've seen people come in very close-minded and, mm. you know, solemn. And by the end of it, they're just the most bubbly, mm-hmm. in, enjoyable people. And
2: carefree. Carefree, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I've seen that. Yeah, That is the most rewarding aspect of it because suddenly you see the mask falling off and the real person shining.
1: Yeah, and the real person is always so much better than the mask could ever be. Because
0: hmm. the mask is, is not real. Yeah. And, yeah.
1: So do you think that people who are searching for themselves or searching for their true calling um, or, or just somehow dissatisfied with something but can't quite put their finger on it, do you, do you think that those people... Um, are wearing a mask and they're now ready to live life without it? I think so, because the the level of dissatisfaction
2: somewhere led them to search for something better, which means they became aware that something was limiting. So, you know, there are so many masks and so many layers of the mask. For example, a person who who is a cruel bully will have more than one mask. Bully is one mask. The second mask, which is false, I am a victim, which is being covered by the bully. Underneath the victim is the real person. So there are multiple layers of masks sometimes that people carry. And some people identify with the mask because it gives them some sort of perceived pleasure. For example, someone who, who lives in the mask of a victim feels empowered by the help, by the attention that they get. Sometimes they are not willing to give up those what we call secondary gains which come with the mask. So, to remove the mask also means to remove all the benefits of the mask and all the inherent implications of the mask. Virtually, it's almost the same as a person who all their lives weigh 400 pounds, navigated in a wheelchair or barely walked, wore tent-like sized clothing and were attended to as a disabled person. Suddenly, I weigh 150 pounds, they look great, They can wear small clothes. They no longer use a wheelchair. People respond to them in a different way. It's a whole different reality. So that would be the same, that weight, that extra weight, would be reminiscent of a mask. It requires transformation and changing on the inside to adjust to how the world responds to a new version of oneself. And that in itself is sometimes scary for people because they're anticipating sometimes things different from what they really are. That identity crisis sometimes happens. If I am not an alcoholic, then who am I? If I am not a 400-pound person, then who am I? If I am not a victim, does it mean that I failed my whole life? Does it mean that everything I've done so far is, was waste or useless? There is all this remorse, these questions that come up. And we have to be sensitive that this may happen when we are dealing with some serious masks that people carry. And yet the end of the, of the road is so rewarding when it comes off and a person can breathe and remember the original version of who they really are.
0: That's wonderful. Mm-hmm. Do you have any other insights or anything you'd like to share with the audience? Hmm.
2: About the masks?
0: Oh, just in general.
2: Um, that when things go wrong in life and there is always light at the end of the tunnel, And when you find yourself hopeless, just remember that this is just a mask, because when you let go of that or persevere through that, you will see this yourself so much stronger, so much more aware. And circumstances in life are merely learning opportunities, and sometimes we create them as a reflection of something internally that needs to be worked on. So it's it's a journey, it's a lesson. It's an exciting one. And if you become curious as to what it all means, you will forget to be stressed and worried because curiosity doesn't allow pain to come through.
0: Beautiful. I really like that. Any closing words, Ria? Uh,
1: No, I just wanted to say thank you very much for for joining us on this special episode. Um, I hope that our listeners enjoyed our time with Anita as much as we have enjoyed it. Absolutely my pleasure
0: and i want to and i want to mention for everybody that um anita multiple times each year puts on these incredible courses uh she does a uh, hypnotic sales training course that teaches you to become uh, an incredible salesperson whether it's you know applying for a job and being able to sell yourself to the to the person who's recruiting you to the all the way through the rest of your life to the point where maybe you're actually a salesperson and you want to learn to become a better salesperson this is an incredible course it's a three-day course she also has another three-day course that she calls the transformational speaker and that was one of my favorite courses because i have done quite a bit of public speaking in the past but what this course did for me was it changed my life and made me more confident and more sure of myself when I'm speaking just to one person, let alone to a group of people. It was, it was just so much fun. Um, you end up in the very first class doing, doing a presentation in front of the class and then you're scared crapless and then after the three days is over you've done about 12 or 13 presentations and by the end you're just kicking butt doing some really impressive stuff so that was so much fun she also has what we spoke of which is the nlp practitioner training uh which is the the big eight-day course um now the 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 initial you know goal there would be for people who want to become an NLP practitioner but I can tell you from experience that you learn so much valuable information in that course you don't necessarily have to be planning on becoming an NLP practitioner to take the course you just want to become a, an incredibly successful person who understands yourself and the people around you way better than you've ever thought you could and then following that you won't possibly be able to avoid taking the nlp master practitioner class (laughs) which is another eight days of intense fun and enjoyable training so um uh, anita like uh, i'll i'll mirror the words from ria i thank you so much very Mm -hmm. much for for joining us today uh all the information about your classes as well as uh the one-on-one um of uh, NLP dis- sessions. healing sessions that you do are also available through your website which is livewithpower.com is there, any, is there anything else you want to add?
2: Just check check us out and you may find something that just may make the big difference in your
0: life Thank you for listening if you enjoyed this podcast please share and give us a rating on iTunes or Google Play. Uh, we love to hear your comments. The show and all the accompanying notes related to each episode can be found at shizdiggity.com which is S-H-I-Z-D-I-G-G-I-T-Y.com. So please check us out. Until next time, this is Al and Ria and Anita saying, choose happiness.